Neon Black, another episode. We're joined by Mike Catherwood. I'm here. My 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 PIC. PIC. Ryan Jaso. I'm Shane Gilmore. You know what I just realized in this intro? This will be the first time we cannot refer to Mike as bootleg Mario Lopez because he's, he's sitting next to us. No, you're bootleg Mario Lopez. No, okay. I'm not saying that. To <laughs> I'm not saying that. You're the one that made up that joke to his face, I to know, be fair. You, st- you should not have started me on it. Anyways. It's not like, you know, I'll, it's I'll not take it. Bad, yeah, it's mm-hmm. like, you and you, like I said, it's a mixture of Tom Cruise and Mar- Mario Lopez. Yeah, I didn't call, it's better than like, I didn't sound like I called you bootleg Steve Buscemi or something. Right. Yeah, that, <laughs> that, is, that is true. You're bootleg Joey Ramone. <laughs> yeah, some people sometimes like, you look like Adam Sandler. I'm like, that's not a compliment, dude. Don't, you know, you're, like, young, you're young, thin Adam Sandler. Am I thin? I don't know at this point. <laughs> I, wish, I wish I had his bank account. All right. Today, Neon Black, um, we discussed the, uh, the career arc of Josh Brolin, your boy. And yeah. we all love Josh Brolin. Oh, he's the best. Right? I love Josh Brolin. You have, an interesting, you, have, you have some funny stories about Brolin. Well, I was saying I got three Josh Brolin. You look like Josh Brolin's in the last like month. And I was at the airport on Friday. Some, no, it was Monday just a couple days ago and I'm waiting at the carousel for my baggage and there's this tall, super tall, like six, six, uh, thin, but, but lanky, tall black guy in front of me. And my bag comes around and, <laughs> and I'm like, excuse me, sir. And I like kind of reach in front of him to grab the bag. And he's like, just hold on a minute, Josh Brolin looking motherfucker. <laughs> You're like, was that an insult? I don't know. God, thank you, man. You <laughs> he said it. He said it with like a laughing, you know, like a smiling look on his face. And he clearly wasn't trying. But I, yeah, I didn't get my advice, but I told him, I said, I mean, I'll take it. That's a, he's like, I meant it as a compliment. I'm just saying, hold your horses, you Josh Brolin looking motherfucker. <laughs> he doesn't know how close he, I was, he came I, to getting choked out. No, no. I, he doesn't know how close he Mike came. Mike was like, <gasps> Josh Brolin, I, I screwed up not like getting that guy's number. I want to be his friend. <laughs> Like, that's a perfect stranger, he said. I mean, like, that guy's got to be really funny. At least it came from a good place, yeah. Man, yeah. I wonder if you were, were you even close to the bag or, like, did he have it queued up, you think? You were just, like, you, were, you weren't even that close no, to it. No, I was, like, I was, like. Were you being annoying? I was, you being that no, guy? No, I was, like, shuffling in front of him. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I was, there was still four seconds of, of delay before I got my hand on the bag, so. Yeah, so, like, he, he, he had been uh, holding that one in the clip. Maybe, maybe. He's like, all right, he did something mildly. I'm not egregious. saying like, I'm not saying like, what you're saying, like he would have called any white person Josh Brolin. Like, no, no, no. I meant like he <laughs> spotted how, you and he was hoping that you were going to get like somewhat close to him. No, so it was, he could it's just rattle that, off that joke. That was the third time, honestly, in like a month that someone said, some chick came up to me at Whole Foods. She's like, you look just like Josh but to be like fra- Josh But to be fair, Josh Brolin just got buff in like the last year. So that's he's probably way, why. Oh, he works out at Gold's Gym in Venice with me. Oh, that's right. I see yes. him. He's way swole. His, his, uh, yeah, you got <laughs> hey, huge for cable. Would single Mike have played into the hot girl at Whole Foods calling you Josh Brown? Absolutely. Like, eh, nah. Really? Single Mike, listen, Mike, single Mike, married Mike, has no game. You su- are such a liar. But no, I went apart. There's no way. He's such a liar. You're lying to us to our faces. Why? Because. Why would I said, lie about that? You literally said that. That your first you all you did in the week that you were on Dancing with the Stars was get eliminated and fuck. Yeah. Okay. But uh, did I have game? No, I didn't. Pa- I didn't like woo any of those girls. I didn't say they. I was. I was, was, was trapped was, in a fucking room <laughs> with insanely hot chicks that use their body f- to communicate for sixteen hours a day. 
You know what I'm saying? I didn't. It's not. I don't, I'm not the guy who at Whole Foods meets a chick and then immediately strikes up a conversation in which that I, I could parlay into I having sex with her. He was just existing backstage. I see what you're yeah, saying. That worked. And then the producer I fucked. Literally, we were at the rap party, and she's like, "I need a ride home." She was hammered. She's like, "I know you're sober." She's fucking a Brit. Yeah, I know you said, but can you give me a ride Somebody home? Somebody grab an IMDb page, please. And, uh, and uh, I'm like, yeah, I'll give you a ride home. And I give her a ride. I'm barely talking to this girl. She's like, why don't you come inside? I was like, okay. <laughs> like that, So, I mean, that's not exactly game. It's not, especially because it sounded like like a high school yeah, roller right. finding yeah. out he's about to have sex. It's like, okay. It's, that's, <laughs> I'll no, come inside. That's exactly how it was. I was like, oh, sweet. Okay. And I still, even when she invited me in, I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to bang her. I was like, Does this fucking Are kooky even- limey want to give me some tea or something? <laughs> kooky limey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Today we talk about, we talk about, <laughs> we talk about the Charlie Rose comeback, what a comeback is. Um, and then we did uh, another installment of what's better, Joy Division or New Order. Um, unfortunately, yeah. as opposed to last time, we just don't agree. And... Um, if you guys are obviously this is on the Control Forever Network, please check out our other shows, Live Forever, every Thursday, and Credit Control every Monday. You can catch us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and our boy, uh, the our excellent video series, Control, Control Freak. Freak. Yeah. And Control Freak yeah. is just. Don't cut my boy short over here, dude. He's already short enough. I'm not gonna, yeah, I was in that, that was low hanging fruit. How tall are you, fuckface? 6'3". Six, 6'3". You know, oh. six, I'll oh, say 6'3". Shit, I'm, I really am short. Compared <laughs> to you guys. You're the only partner in here that needs a stepladder to get through the doors. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, check out all the other shows. Like, like, uh, I'm above average. Mike said, you, got, you have a, well, we have a three-part video series coming. Well, part one is already out of Control, uh, Control Freak, uh, which was technology in the adult industry. We don't yeah. call it pornography. It's the adult industry. Um, part well, two. Facebook has a big issue with that word. Yeah. Our, our boy over here got banned from posting yeah. for 24 hours. I did. 72, I believe. Mark, Mark Cuckerberg. You're like the two live crew of, of Facebook, is what you're saying? I'm more of the uh, Gigi Allen of Facebook. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, and that's just because I love shit that much. Steve, had your back, though. By the time you're hearing this, part two will be out and part three shortly after. And then we got some other weird shit coming up. Yeah, it looks like we're going to dive into furries. Furries. All right. Enjoy. You know what I just realized? What did you realize, Ryan? (laughs) If you had like the... uh, Man bun? The, no, like the, the ponytail right here. Yeah. You would be the ultimate gym fuckboy. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, because I don't wear like neon, uh, like uh, neoprene. I don't wear, when I go to the gym, I wear like, like Russell sweats from the 90s and uh, knee high socks with Chuck Taylors. But I'm, I'm not like, a, I'm not gym guy. I'm saying though, just if you did. That pony be, would instantly fuckboyatize you. Yeah, I got three. That could be a bit for you. Josh Brolin's in the last like month or two. Your boy Josh Brolin. So I started following him on Instagram. He's a fucking nut job. Yeah, he's pretty funny. He's crazy. He's very funny. He he's very open about shit. He and he he was uh, had an article about him in Esquire maybe six eight months ago. When the, is it only the Brave? The firefighter movie? Yeah. Okay. When that came out, they did it. Not a bad a, movie at all. 
Uh, great story. Yeah. Great story. I thought it was underrated. The movie, though, I really enjoyed. I yeah. Was- he's he's uh, about as bankable as an actor is right now. That's I mean, He's the perfect example of hitting, like, what age does for your career if you're if you're a male actor like because of the types of roles he can take now like he didn't really in his early 30s and 20s like nothing ever really clicked for him he well, got a lot no, of roles that was personal that was personal he he was a fuck up yeah he, could, he would have always he could have been a sean penn but figure he, that had a-list shit all his whole life i don't know he about was, that he was down dude he was drinking for breakfast he's way better looking than sean penn That's no but my point That's, is is like trust me he could have been that guy oh, yeah, he yeah. was Drinking for breakfast when his teens yeah, and early twenties. Like, that, like, that definitely affects like, your ability. He couldn't play Llewellyn Moss at at thirty one. Like you, you have to be weathered. These these like these old like Tommy Lee Jones roles. Yeah. Like he's getting now. People, the thing about acting, and it's not like I'm some skilled thespian, but from living with one and talking to a lot of actors and and reading about a lot of actors, you realize that if you don't have anything personally to bring to the character it's like being an artist without um a, a, a palette you, you, of, of colors to to paint with um it'd be impossible to be Llewellyn Moss unless you're someone who's had tremendous um moral adversity that you've had to deal with you have those those moments in your life where you're wondering what the right decision is and even if the right decision is in fact immoral all these things that came into play in no country the Rock couldn't do that because he's such a straightforward, just super fun, happy, moral fella. You know what I'm saying? Like Josh Brolin's been arrested many times. He's, you know, he's a guy who's been confronted with those decisions and those moments in life where he's been on the wrong side of decisions and had to make up for it with some. Grew, he's he, grew, about, he grew up famous. His dad was super famous. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a good-looking guy. The guy, you know. It's it is impressive that he's still talking about life imitating art. Not so much life imitating art, but at least having life to make art that seems imitated. Yeah, it's kind of meaning. It's basically meaning make make, making trying to bring some type of authenticity to the to the the mileage. Right, and and there's a there's a there's something that The Rock can bring to the screen that other people can't. There's something. A guy like Josh Brolin brings uh, an edge that is authentic. You, you, I mean, um, that's my. That's always been my complaint with Ryan Gosling. I think he's phenomenally talented. I do. I think he's an exceptional talent. I think when he plays the silent, uh, kind of brooding bad guy, it comes off very weird because he's not that guy. Except you could argue that Ryan Gosling in Between Two Pines – Made the face tattoo completely okay for middle aged or probably like only young, yeah, young but girls. that okay, that, that, you, that you can make that argument yeah. sure, and I, it's probably true. That has nothing to do with the authenticity of the character. I watch that movie and I, I know go, what you're saying. What? That's silly. And I will. It's say, very silly I, that he. No, I, when I, you watch, you watch. I was watching um, Bronson the other night, crazy. and and you know Tom Hardy's a, a drama school guy. Don't give me, he's not some he's not a yeah he was a career criminal, but he brings an edge to it that you go what. It's fucking pretty, pretty believable. I guess a lunatic. You look in his eyes. You're like, oh, there's a lunatic behind those eyes. You know? It's it's kind of like I always tell him, I'm like, Angelina Jolie to me, especially in the '90s, could never be anything that was short of the most beautiful woman in the room. Right. It's like Changeling. It's like, okay, you're a single mother and you're poor. How? 
How is this happening? There's only one movie that properly addressed this, and it's Gia? a movie. No, uh, this, do you know the movie The Sentinel of course. with Michael Douglas and uh, Ava Longoria? That's a very good, it's a very good Saturday afternoon cable movie. Right. Uh, the guy, the book that it was adapted, I'm, I'm close personal friends with the man who wrote the book that it was adapted from, uh, Jerry Petovich. He, um, I grew up with his daughter, Emma, and he's very close family friends. He's a great guy. He was former ATF. And um, they, so he got, he, he wrote To Live and Die in L.A., The Sentinel, all these. Live and Die in L.A. is one of my favorites. Yeah. And so he, he got a lot of uh, firsthand knowledge on um, these, these kind of government uh, crime the capers. He, he, he's drawing from, from uh, real life experience. Anyway, The Sentinel is the first movie I've ever seen directly address this and do it in an authentic way. And it was Eva Longoria walks in as an FBI agent. And people are like, what the fuck? You're a little too attractive to be taken seriously. And they say that Michael Douglas is like, can we get someone uglier? Because I'm not working with a woman like this. She's going to fuck up the whole thing, you know? She's not making, she, Ava Longoria is not taking a $60,000 a year government job. And if she does, it's an issue. That's the thing. Because I'm, look, it, there's, there's definitely attorney, like district attorneys and stuff where you, they walk in, you're like, what? <laughs> what? You're, you're the district, you're super hot. But my point being is that in real life, when women are really attractive and they have jobs of great prestige, and they're not models or actresses, you go, what? What are we doing here? You know, it's an issue, right? And and I'm, that's not a not a negative or a positive. I'm simply saying, in real life, you and I, we can all us three, we can agree. If you have a doctor and you've never visited this doctor before, she comes in and she's a nine. You're like, wait, a, whoa, doctor? No, that's different. Doctor, there's been a, so many hot doctors. I agree, and I'm not saying yeah, that their credibility doctors, as a doctor is in any way compromised. What I'm saying I is, think it's, always it's an issue. You it's go positions what? of power that I think is usually the you where, go where it gets like whoa. later that night. You go to your friends. You're like, dude, you wouldn't believe this. I had a doctor today. She came and she and uh, she was looking at the gout in my foot. Uh, she was a nine. You know, that's it's a thing. You know, if you, <laughs> you one time I got pulled over by a cop and she was a super hot chick. And I was like, and I'm about to get a speeding ticket. And I'm still like, wow. Yeah. You're a highway patrol officer? Re wow. That's, that one's not as crazy to me because it's a position of authority. And I could see there's something there. I, I'm talking about- What if more. you're another cop in that department? Angelina Jolie in Bone Collector as a detective. There's going, a lot of good looking cops. Like, right. You comment. Yeah, they're like, it's an cops. issue. In New York. It's a thing. It's Angelina a Jolie, you're talking about like in her prime is one it's of the retarded. Best. Like yeah. it just there's nothing there's it's really ridiculous. nothing comparable. That's what I'm saying. You're the not, first Tomb Raider, you're like, well, what are we? What's going on yeah. here? I can't watch this. It was like Megan Fox the first. The first the first Transformers. Yeah. The first Fox Transformers, it one. was distracting when she opens up the hood of that car and her in her belly shirt. And yeah, I yeah, you know yeah. I I didn't know who Megan Fox was prior to that. They pan out and you're like, whoa, whoa. Stop the presses. To be fair, everything about that series is offensive. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. The entire movie was offensive. What's more offensive, that or Fast and Furious series? Transformers is way no, more offensive. No, I disagree. What? I could really? watch a Transformers movie. I, I can't do Fast and Furious. Both of them are an affront to me. And yeah. I'm not even like some artsy-fartsy dude. You don't want to see like a submarine chase a Honda yeah, Civic? No, and I'm a car the... guy. I'm a gearhead and I still can't watch those movies. Vin Diesel is just so interesting. He sucks. To me. <laughs> you talking about uh, 
No, I we, we had I'm, a reformed, <laughs> I'm a reformed Vin Diesel fan, so and I so I can say that confidently that he sucks. Do you think he's a bad actor? Uh, I think he's what's so annoying about him now is I really liked um, Pitch Black when, when it came out. I liked Pitch Black. I thought he was awesome in Saving Private Ryan. Boiler Room. That run he he went on. Yeah, yeah. Boiler Room. Even the first Fast and Furious when I saw it I was like, fuck, this guy's dope. And then he's better in Boiler Room than anyone else. Anyone? Well, I don't. Rabisi's Rabisi's always actor. solid. Rabisi's no, Rabisi's solid. But my point is, is like all the other guys. Nikki he Katz, has the best scene. Nikki Katz and the other guys. So are Nikki all, Katz is an interesting actor to me because I love that dude in every movie he's in. Talk about personal problems. Is that what movie. it is? Fuck yeah. He's got another DUI. No way. Or yeah. It's a fucking chap, looks like Pete chap. Sampras. Like, he does. <laughs> he could be just a no, dead now, ringer if now he ever looks did a like, biopic. Now he looks like uh, Rick Rubin at his worst. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I love Nikki Cash. Google that shit. Way of the gun. What's what's Rubisi's deal? Because I mean, Rubisi he's got the, a shitload. He's got the Amazon, but he's not anything. It's a like, good huge show. Picture. Sneaky it's a good show. It's a good it show, good. man. I'm, I'm into it. I Rubisi finished. works a ton. But he was like, he kind of seemed dude. People early don't 2000s, people don't make a positioned. living as movie stars anymore. No, you, there's a, there's seven people TV. that do. Yeah, and if you can get Sneaky Pete on Amazon as a series and you're the lead. That's way more sought after right now because unless you're Scarlett Johansson, Ryan Reynolds, uh, Chris Pratt, fill in the blank, you know, there's Gossing. a dozen people. You don't make a yeah. living as a movie star. You know, it, it, it's I not was, like it used to be. Rob, Cord I was talking to Rob Cordry about that, who does seven movies a year. I mean, the guy works like crazy. He's like, no, but how I make a living is ballers. How I make a living is, you know, you he's don't. Funny. He's great. He's, he's great. Yeah, I would he's imagine funny. TV in generals more consistent anyway you, you know you're gonna have a check for at least a year versus yeah but it used to be vice versa even if you weren't a tv star you did some tv and yeah it was good money but tv but wasn't you got, glamorous you did a movie and you got TV, fucking seven million dollars but, but, tv but, was but, below board yeah it if was you were, if yeah, you were exactly. a, if you were a feature film actor it was like a fit you just don't go do tv my wife just auditioned yesterday no two days ago for a movie to play clooney's wife in a tv series it's a clune dog. Oh, well, we talked about this. Like, the, it's over now. Oh, Clooney's in it. He's uh, she plays his wife. Oh, okay. Well, uh, hopefully, would play if she got. got I the thought role. you were saying it was like a biopic on him. Oh, is it, is it Catch Twenty Two? Yes. Fuck yeah. Yes. I love the dude that's playing the lead in that as well. That's got an amazing cast. She plays one of my favorite Clooney's books, wife, and she's cheating on Clooney with this the lead guy, Christopher Abbott. With a lot with, of, cheating I'm a fan. On, I'm with, a fan with Landon Donovan. <laughs> No, he the guy, this Christopher Abbott guy, is he the one who looks so much like Kit Harrington? It's disturbing. He, Kit Harrington that can act. Yeah. He, and he can change his look a lot. He was in Girls. He looked really, yeah. and then he can be like, he's a good actor. Really good actor. Anyways, Culture didn't Cards. Get, didn't even get a reaction out of you. You never about get what? a reaction out of him. What are you talking about? What <laughs> the fuck do I care? <laughs> what the fuck do I care about things my wife did before she met me? No, I know. That's why know. guys, I never understood that about guys getting it. Like, I understand if you're, actively with a girl and she's flirting with big celebrity big movie star guy okay your your male ego gets it but the guys who hold it against their chick for stuff they did before they even got together i'm like what yeah what do you yeah. want me? there's some deep running insecurities there my wife was with nikki katz like you said you don't have really a lot to be bummed out about yeah <laughs> good actor though i was wondering about him same thing with william h peterson you talked about live and die in la and Fuck Man, yeah. Manhunter is like one of my favorite movies. That guy is such a rad actor. And he, he's it's had too a career, bad. of it's course. It's too bad. Uh, dude, he has he more. CSI. He I has mean, enough money yeah, he's to fine. have us killed. And no one would raise. <laughs> he's fine. CSI for 11 seasons yeah. or whatever. He, what, left trust, it, he left it voluntarily. Trust like, me. I'm good. I'm he done. He right now 
has more money than you, all three of us could hope to ever pool together in our best year. He is making on residuals. Correct. Sitting on his ass. But I'm surprised the guy never won, like, was never, like, in a P.T. Anderson movie or, you, you know what I mean? He was, he's I, that you know, good of a different era. Different era. I 70s, think. though. He was the 70s and into the 80s crossover. Yeah. Had some big movies. Manhunter is, 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 is he, revered now, but it wasn't when it came out. He acted circles around everybody in a horrible Every, movie. In a horrible movie. You know what I'm talking about? Which one? A movie starring Reese Witherspoon and Mark Wahlberg. Rockstar? No, no, no. Young Reese Aniston. Witherspoon. From almost maybe oh, her first right. role. Oh, she, Fear. That's right. Fear? And William oh, H. That's right. she, he's, he's the her, father. He's the father, And he yeah. is acting circles yeah. around everyone right. in this horrendous movie. No, he's great in everything. I remember he did this like... Uh, it's like a good, bad movie, though. Like, if it's You'll watch it. I'll watch it. It's got an awesome soundtrack, too. Oh, yeah. The Wild Horses cover by the Sundays. And then you got all the Bush songs, and it was it's good. I can't believe Bush is a real thing. I can't believe that... 16 Stone's one of the best rock albums of all time. Fuck you. I can't believe their music even holds on celluloid. I can't believe the celluloid doesn't reject it. Okay. This guy has the biggest Bush heart on on the planet. No. I think 16 Stone is... One of the greatest rock albums of go listen of the to 90s. Glycerine right now. I, I have it on all the time. <laughs> and, and tell me, listen to it objectively, album, and tell it's me. Great. Don't let me by. To be fair, everyone in the nineties sang through their teeth. You want to talk about a rock? Of, you want to talk about a rock and roll moment when he came out on MTV Spring Break in the rain, just an electric guitar and played oh, Glycerine. Eat my dick. That was a fucking moment. <laughs> Anyways, it's not so, Woodstock. Suck my balls. You it, in Woodstock? You weren't even there. Like you won't even. How do you know? Uh, because we've talked that about was this months before. before I went to Nam. You don't get. You don't understand the relief that this I had. Guy, like defends Woodstock before I had like to go murder like, Charlie. I was there, man. All right, culture I was cards. There, man. Can we get the culture cards? Yes, we can get the culture. Let's cards. do culture cards for a second. AKA our budget ass culture pink notes. Balling on a budget here. Um, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, I'll look. This is for both of you guys. Is weed the new craft beer fad? Yeah, that's a good call. That's a really good question. Wow. Craft beer, man. I know, Jesse, I know that you like it, but like the the I'll, I'll answer it if you would like. The following to. is is I wasn't gonna answer the I question. Will, I was I gonna recuse, expound on craft beer. I will beer. recuse myself from this. Only it seems like it to me. It's just, <laughs> only because you haven't done any of this. I just things. I'm so out of the loop with weed, with beer, with anything. Um, that, <clears> but I it think, seems like it. I mean, uh, every guy in Venice with some money in his pocket is always like, well, yes, this strain actually is very fun. I go to this pharmacist to pick up my Indica and then my Sativa, I go down the street to Dr. Green Thumb. And- I, I, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's a, because f- craft beer is kind of a fad. I think it's a, well, it's more of a, a niche thing whoa, that people whoa. are into. Two weeks ago, Santa Anita Racetrack packed it with 20,000 people to go to a craft beer festival. So it's not, it is not a fad. People drink real beer aficionados. Okay. Love that shit. I think weed's going to be a much bigger thing for a much longer time. Yeah, I'll tell you the difference. The only thing I will say where they are very similar is all the weed-based products like um, the edibles and gummy bears and all these brands that are coming up. Two things. One, we have the branding agency here. The branding is horrific on 90% of these brands. But the ones that are doing it well. The ones that are doing it well are really cool, but there's so much shit out there right now which is kind of like where I think there's similarities with craft beer because there's a lot of craft beer companies that are just like, really? That's awful branding. Like, what are you just making this in your backyard? The problem there's with a lot the, of that with weed, the, so. the one big downside with craft beer is that it's 
it's all unhealthy. Yeah. You know That's what I'm what saying? I was say. Like with at least with weed, there's the redeeming factor that if you're health conscious, you know, I know the yogis and the and the bodybuilders, whatever that are that are very into the therapeutic aspects of not only the CBD, but of, of yeah. cannabis as a whole. Um, I smoke weed now. If you're a beer guy, that's, you're a beer guy. Like I was going to say, that, that's sleep pin. I've been sleeping like a baby I, for three weeks. I, <laughs> that's the only way my brain, the way my brain works at night is I can't shut it off. If, yeah. if I smoke weed now, I'm like, I can actually get a full night's sleep. It's the only way. It's Dude, I just got my brain scan um, feedback. Balls and, or head? Uh, what do you mean? <laughs> he was saying your balls look like a brain. He's seen them. They look more like a walnut. Just one nut? You have one nut? I have relatively small little type balls, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> your brain, your real brain. It, my unconscious mind is far too overactive, like a very unhealthy to the point that, you know, They can tell like, that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's wow. the type of stuff that they can tell. You know, they can't tell, oh, you had a concussion in 1996. It's more... The, the, it measures each of your neural pathways, your neur, your neural centers, and the the communication and the travel of electricity and feedback between all those neurons. And so, when in in you know delta and theta, uh, when your mind is in my subconscious mind, my unconscious mind is just fucked. But when my mind's engaged, even slightly, even just like watching a TV show, when I'm not actively engaged, I'm just passively engaged. I'm very healthy. Uh, but I, I try to wind down, you know, the things that regulate sleep cycles, circulation, digestion, all the stuff that you don't think about. Are you able, I'm a mess. Are you able to, because I, I struggle with this daily, are you able to, when you're working all day, you're doing stuff like mm -hmm. this where you're using your brain. People don't realize how exhausting podcasts are, but if I do two of these in a day, I'm like, I need to sleep. Yeah, imagine when I was doing 10 hours of live radio. Yeah, I, I know. I'm saying that. like your brain is just working in overdrive. It's crazy. But my point, I, what I was going to ask you is, do you feel like when you go home at the end of the night, is it hard for you to transition into, okay, I'm a dad now. I'm going to be here for my daughter and focus on that. Because I, I always do it when I go see my kids and I find myself just thinking about stuff. When I worked work. odd hours, it was impossible. Now it's pretty easy. Yeah. But when I'd be coming home at midnight after doing a show, which, you know, my brain's keyed up from doing Loveline, even though it was only two hours. And key bumps. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of key bumps. But I'd be doing, you know, <laughs> 10 to midnight, and then I get off at midnight, I get home at 1231. Uh, then I'd be having trouble to f having trouble falling asleep or watching Suits or whatever's on, you know, some kind of show that I can just fall asleep to. Wake up in the morning when a little kid gets up, which is really early, and it was so hard to just snap into. Right. I'm a happy father now. But just, just that. And I'm not complaining about this, but like just that transition, it's completely different than the way you have your brain working all day. Yeah, with everything you do work wise into. Okay, I'm gonna be a parent now. And I guess I gotta the, be in the moment. Well, the problem is, is that it shouldn't be because we're trying to control pardon the pun, so much when we're working. And really, we shouldn't be. We shouldn't be trying to control every little aspect of it. We should just be experiencing it, experiencing it and letting it unfold and, and, and being present in the moment. And we're trying actively to control things. And you can't do that with children. You absolutely no, can't you do can't. that with children. There's no controlling that's, a kid. That's what it is. It's like, oh, just start reading now or you know, just start doing it. It's like you... You have to be present in those Well, that's moments. that's the 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 hard part about 
<clears throat> everything. I mean, that's what the beautiful aspect of having employees is, is that you fully can control human beings. You know, you go, okay, I need you to go take care of the, those reports over there. And then when you're done with that, let me know and I'll get you on the... It's like, is, is, he a, is he starting a military I know, what is branch <laughs> or something? <laughs> no, but it, I, well, listen, I don't, I don't speak from all that much experience. I, I'm not accustomed to having quote-unquote employees um, because of what Do you I have do. an assistant? No. Oh, okay. No, um, no, 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 no. You're, no. you're but, famous. Um, I mean, I don't know. But I mean, like, it, 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 as a host of a show, you have board ops and, and phone ops and things like that. And so I, it would be... It wouldn't be crazy if I was like, hey, can you grab me a cup of coffee? Or I'm about to go on air in 30 seconds. I can't do it myself. Can you go? Um, I just printed up the research about the guest. Can you go grab that for me? That doesn't happen in normal life. I mean, if it does, you're a fucking asshole. Like if you just start barking orders at people, even if you do it kindly. Absolutely. I think in general, though, that's, yeah, that reminds me a lot of how the agencies work. A lot of like the mailroom shit. The Asians work. No. And I was like, Jaso, <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> Yes. Uh, All right. You know, Ryan's a lot of them Asians. <laughs> that was our first culture card. That was a good question, actually. It was a good question. Um, How come Asians are okay to shit on? You know, I have this conversation with Chris all the time because he, we talk about how Asians are minimized in film and media and music even more so than any other race, really. How, how do you mean minimized? Uh, well, because if you look at um, film, what's his Kim Kim Jong Un, not not Kim, Kim Kardashian, Jung-un. no the the comedian, <laughs> the comedian Kim Davis, Ken 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 uh, Jung Ken Jung the, the Hangover Doctor Ken Jung Doctor Ken, Ken Jung PhD yes. but no uh, MD. MD yeah well both no he's a fucking doctor doctor he also has a PhD we we're both right yeah but he can perform surgery Correct. there's a big listen. I, I, yes, I, no. you're right. You're right. I can see. Someone it. who's a physician needs to have that title put on them at all times. Somebody it's wants to get on the fuck- list for, for, for Ken's next birthday party. Listen to me. It's <laughs> fucking insane that the man's a legitimate physician and then transitioned into being a movie star. Do what you love. That's what they say. There's probably plenty of people who had a, a doctrine or a PhD that decided, oh, I'm pretty good at this acting. The idea that he went to medical school, graduated, was a practicing doctor, and then became an actor that's... It, uh, I'm saying it begs you repeating that it's that important that you make the clarification. He's a sharp dude. Yeah. All right, question number two. I'm giving this one to Mike. Yes, I'm not going to make my point. Go no, you're not. Uh, <laughs> Bill Cosby, yeah. as of today, was great, found guilty of sexual guy. assault. Great guy. <laughs> great guy. Dr. Bill Cosby. Uh, Bill Cosby is found guilty of sexual assault. This is for Mike. At 80 years old, he's facing 30 years in prison. Do you think he's going to have to serve the max sentence? And should he have to? I can live to be 110, so no. No, fuck him. Let him die in jail. I hope they don't let him out because for what is it? What do they call it? Pain and suffering? Yeah. Or I hope they don't let him out for that. No, he, he gets the opposite of pain and suffering. He's had 50 years of people kissing his dick. He should, no. I, I, listen, for fraud, uh, even though it can you know, ruin people's lives this, just the same if you know, you're Bernie Madoff or something. I understand you're like, hey, dude's 85 years old. Let's let him, he can do weekends in jail or something. Sexually assaulting lots of chicks, raping women. I don't care if you're fucking 95. Yeah. You go to jail and you suffer. You can sit in there and rot till you're done. The justice system has to be, has to be purely objective. And we can't factor in these things that- Like celebrity. Celebrity, age, 
it has to be you you're, do the you're crime. You're saying you do the it crime. has to be, but historically it hasn't when it comes to. Well, that's what's so when fucked it comes about it. Not, he's, not, he's I'm not speaking out of knowledge. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think it is with rape. I don't think Jerry Sandusky, people are thinking around, sitting around going, ah, he's the guy's 75 years old. Come on, let's. When you're talking about murder, rape, things like that, I, I, you suffer. You fucking suffer. You should. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if he gets out on. I, I don't think he serves a full 30 years. I really don't. I think he's either going to die in jail or he's, he's, well, he's definitely not living to 110, but I bet you they do let him out at, towards the end of his sentence. I don't like to, to have these feelings, these ideas, but I, I, I hope he dies in jail. How I don't long? like being someone who encourages other people's well, suffering, even for Osama yeah. bin Laden. I don't, I'm not someone who wants to celebrate the idea of other human suffering. But you can't, we can't cut corners. And you also, maybe if you're a judge in certain cases, you have the ability to be subjective. But the American justice system as a whole cannot be. It has to be objective. Correct. Well, this is a jury, right? Yeah. How, what, when, when is the sentence? But is the sentence, is this, is this Florida no, or? No, this is Pennsylvania. Okay, I don't know how it works. I mean, I know some places where the judge gets the leeway in sentencing. I know some places that there was a jury. Well, and he's going to appeal, of course. But wh how long generally does it take for, wh when, when does the sentencing happen? Pretty soon, right? Well, he got convicted today. He got convicted today. And he can face up to 10 years for the sentencing, but he could do up to 30 with consecutive, if they. I, I'm a big anti-Cosby guy, but I will say this. Getting back to my last point about how the justice system has to be objective. It was wrong and it shouldn't have happened that the deposition that got released where he admits to buying all those quaaludes to lubricate women. During that time, it he only was deposed. His attorney and he agreed to be deposed knowing that that would never be released. What was that the was point promising. of deposing him then? I don't know. I don't, yeah, I'm not a but lawyer. But listen, the judge, 20 years later or something, Decides, well, because he's a moralist and goes around telling people how to live their lives in a proper, we should, I'm going to let this be released. And you can't do that. The American justice system isn't, well, because he's this guy, I'm going to uh, release, you know, he agreed that it was, it was a sealed deposition for a reason. And I, I know it broke this case wide open and it probably helped put him in jail. But he got the mistrial. I mean, to be, yeah. fed, to be and there was what, it was seven men five women, I think, on this jury versus the opposite. I mean, he, whatever. I don't know. He's getting what he deserves. It's a, in some cases, it's almost, I was telling him this morning, and this is probably the wrong way to think because it's a very, uh, it's a much more enlightened opinion. Like you're saying, you don't want to wish bad things on people, but it's like, fuck, man, he's 80 years old. Like, would have been nice if they would have caught him, him when he was earlier. 50. Yeah. You know, you're not. He already lived a life. He's senile. He's, he's the perfect embodiment of why this Me Too stuff is important. Yeah. You know, because I, he, the reason it didn't happen 30 years ago is because women didn't have that kind of voice. Yeah. And, it, and not against Bill Cosby, for Christ's sake. Yeah. You're going to come out and be like, oh, uh, and people will be like, hush, hush. Come on. Come on, honey. Uh, the, per, a great example of it to me was that uh, I thought a fantastic documentary series about Robert uh, Durst. The Jinx. The Jinx. In 1983, uh, his wife at the time reported to the police that he was beating her and in 1983 when you're robert uh durst and you're that powerful and you're a manhattan socialite your wife says that she's punching the police come and go come on honey i understand 
Let's just deal with it. It's uh, he's a powerful man. He probably has a lot of stress, and that just goes to show you. You know, two thousand three, he's a suspect in murder. People are like, well, let's let's fucking take an interest. I don't care that he's a billionaire or a millionaire. Let's uh, let's look into this. But there was a time and a place, and I think all of us are, are naive to it. But that a woman really just didn't have that voice. Now, no, should that be perverted into what we're seeing today? I don't know. But it is a it, Bill Cosby is a very good example of why it's important that we've come to this point. You know, agreed. So today, they, there's there's news that came out that, and this is something we've, we've talked about a lot, and it's especially in the context of comedy because we talked about Louis C.K. and kind of how we. I'll share the the opinion, and I think it's kind of a mainstream opinion at this point that if there's somebody that's going to come out of this, it's going to be it's going to be him. But um, Charlie Rose, yeah, who at one point was very respected um, journalist, um, yeah, probably probably one of the most. I would Look, say, as from a, as a from a broadcaster, I was a huge fan. As a broadcaster, I would say he was right up there with. Uh, Larry you know, King, Letterman. Oh, he blew Larry King out of the water. He, blew, he destroyed. That King. was that was why he was such a breath of fresh air because Larry King was the king of Larry softballs. King. Larry King to me was like he was a grinder, and I definitely respected the guy, but he wasn't someone he I sucked. looked at at technically being like this. His interviews were not that rare. Yeah. Um, uh, Charlie Rose was about as good, you know, Stern maybe uh, as good, if not better. But Charlie Rose was as about as good, you know. Oprah, Letterman. The, there's a, there's a select few. Um, he was he was really really well respected. I, just judging by because it's it's hard with Letterman because you haven't seen him in long form interview with the exception of this new Netflix series, which mm-hmm. is which has been kind of a disappointment. I'd say he's one of the best long form interviewers that I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean the way that he could take apart a conversation. Anyways, it's the with heavy he, with heavy people and with pop culture with anybody people, yeah. he yeah. could he could he could hang with. It's come out today that he um, he's been putting together a. Uh, and it's it's the the it's unclear whether this is through Netflix or whether this is just something that he was doing or regardless putting together orchestrating some type of a, a comeback by having this interview series with other men that were brought down by this Me Too movement and there's been of course um, quite a bit of of backlash of yeah. backlash and um, this is considering what are we like seven months departed eight six months departed from actually him yeah. being. Um, Losing his job. What the 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 concept of these these and it is going to be. People deserve do deserve redemption to to, to have some opportunity for that. But when it's at what point is is it to at what point is it is it okay for us to say it's insulting? No, this is insulting. Or like this is okay. We can let this happen. Well, it's I'm conflicted. On this issue for two reasons. One, I'd love to watch this. I'd love to watch it because he's going to bring because his Because it's going to be a train wreck? Dark. No, because <laughs> the idea, much like I would love to watch um, an active drug addict be interviewed by a recovering drug addict. But keep in mind, Charlie Rose never came clean about this. He, he still denies the allegations to this day. Mm-hmm. John Oliver has done, I think, two or three now. Now this, yeah. like, is now this moments about Charlie Rose being exceptionally creepy Exceptional, with his yeah. coast with his co-host and I shouldn't be laughing a legendary but, uh, you know but and it was I, like awkwardly I don't know if this whoa, helps his cause or not but that. he was a legendary coxman and I think that's his Charlie that's Rose? his argument that's his argument that yeah. this was all consensual you have eight people he has I think eight accusers and the stories match up almost identical I mean 
Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not going to silence those the, women. But you have these. To answer your question, I, I think it's way too soon. <laughs> you don't get. Oh, it's re- way too soon. You don't get a it's redemption after but is it, six months. But in two years, is it too soon? And, and Here, to me, it's, it, my it question, like yes. my question, and re- why I was conflicted is because I do think that if anyone's going to bring a real intrigue and real kind of gravitas to a project like talking to men about sexual harassment and sexual assault, it's someone who had had his life fall apart because of it. I and do think that, it, I, I mean, I do think there's a draw there. It makes sense. Sec, but I'm conflicted because I think, wow, how wildly insulting to not only the women who accused him, but women as a whole, that he's going to subsequently capitalize and seemingly exploit the situation for his own benefit. I think what he, if for this thing to actually work and be- It's definitely fat. not happening now. Now, now that it leaked too early. I think, I think there's no way it's the most happening. fascinating and but the, brilliant way the they could have concept. done this is they would have had the accusers interview the, Charlie Rose. Charlie Rose. That's what I'm, I, that, I'm, I'm with you. I feel like it needs to be a woman. It, need, it has to, A, it has to at least be a woman, but if they could get those people to be able to ask them, not even ask them questions, but tell them what they do. And it needs, to be, the know right, what it needs to be the right, and it's really important that it needs to be the right woman. Like it can't be Rose McGowan. It can't be Rose McGowan. You know? It literally that cannot type be. Of a, yeah. But you know what show I'd watch the shit out of is a female accuser hosting a show where she talks to different men who have been found guilty of abuse. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. I'd like, watch the shit out of that. I'd watch the shit out of, yeah. but even like different, different that's what types I'm saying. Of, like, di- right. Different types of abuse though. Like uh, a woman who like Tina Turner talking to guys who beat their wives. Um, yeah. Dude, that'd be, I'd watch the shit out of that. It would be crazy to watch because the emotions on that would be gnarly. I also do think though, there would be something to like a Letterman or a John Stewart who's, like specifically with Charlie Rose sitting down with them, who's yeah. obviously d- isn't going to necessarily go out to to completely toast this guy, um, but 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 would be able to hold his own in a conversation with him, similar to like you know you talk, like you you want that Frost Nixon conversation, right? But, but yeah, yeah, but, but if you have a man interviewing other men about alleged sexual assault, it's just the most tone deaf premise for right. her show. But I wonder like if the these, whole some of these guys wouldn't sit down. They just, because they know there's no way to win. Whereas like, like I, and I bring They're, up the Frost-Nixon example. Well, because if you're, you're talking about guys whose careers are officially over. You yeah, have, but Charlie Rose is still rich as fuck. Like Matt Lauer is still rich as fuck. Like Charlie Rose, never, he'll someone, never run out of money. Someone broke down like what Charlie Rose has been doing since he lost his job. And it's like spending time between his $6 million home in Cape Cod and his $8 million uh Upper East Side, whatever, which, Manhattan both apartment, of, looking at like- Both and, of which he owns. Both of which he owns yeah. outright and is just reading books. And, you know, it's not It's not like you really- I do, But I don't, but here's the thing. It's the show wouldn't be for them. It would be vindication for the women who were, who have dealt with this abuse. Yeah. And just for them, I don't even think, well, again, it's it though, would be, But I think as consumers, we want to see blood in the streets. But, I, but again, one way I, or the other. I don't even know if it's an interview format. You mentioned this on a previous episode. It's more of like just taking your medicine. Let the woman talk. Sit there well, and let and part someone of, tell you how your actions made them feel. Well, and also, I, I, it's not even like blood in the streets. It's, it's more of a righteous kill. Um, meaning that it's not like, I don't think, 
most women would want to get up and just skewer. That's, that's why we said we can't have Rose McGowan. Who she would be, just get up there and yell at the guy. Who would be that ideal woman? I don't know. Like, I Oprah I'm try- would not be that. I'm trying to think Oprah of a woman who's come forward recently with allegations that would be ideal and I'm drawing a blank. Um, it's not saying that there isn't that woman, but my, here's, here's the thing. If you get the guys out there I think there's a lot of value in it for the for this reason. You get the guys out there, and it wouldn't make you feel sorry for them. It wouldn't make things better. But it's nice to know when they get up there, and inevitably, let me tell you right now, 100% for sure, inevitably, they get out there, and they're like, I, my mom fucked me when I was seven, and I have a very distorted view. I don't understand intimacy. Again, I'm not making excuses for these guys, but it's nice to hear that, and it'd be nice to hear that f- looking in the eyes of a woman who is not necessarily accusing you but is an a, someone who's had to deal with that level of abuse. But you would have a you would have a lot of women rightfully so saying they shouldn't have that opportunity. Because I it doesn't matter what was done to you by your mom or the weird relationship you had with women. Like I had to deal with being raped for years by you or Absolutely. you know and that and Absolutely. But why when you say at the very least a, a victim deserves that. People say that all the time though. I get that shit when I have a neo-Nazi on the radio or or Milo Yiannopoulos, someone you know even uber right wing, just someone who has very unpopular views. People say you shouldn't give them a forum. I say, "Oh no, you people all people deserve a forum because we need to know why people think the way they do." I no one needs to know why someone who's uh, a completely undiscriminating and and is a good father and uh, loves his wife. Yes, it's nice to celebrate those people, but it's no. We don't need to investigate why they think the way they do. Someone who thinks that Jews are behind uh, all the evil in the world and that it's a wor- global conspiracy by the Zionists, I definitely need to know how they came to that fucking conclusion. Yeah. It's one hundred percent the same reason why we did the flat earthers thing on uh, control freak. Do we need to talk to people who think the Earth is round? No, we it's don't need to know why though. they think that it's way. It's a little different though because you're, there's no victims involved with that. There's no victim. But my point, I'm just trying to make an analogy. It's, it's a little easier to we be don't objective need to when understand, somebody's not hurt. We don't need to understand why the th- they think the way they do. They think the, word, the earth is round is because we've all been told that since we were fucking in first grade. I wanted to find out why on earth you think in such a, what is looked at as such a strange way. And to be... To hate black people is a strange view. To to be anti-Semitic is a strange view. To punch women and and feel like it's okay is a wildly strange view. It's grotesque. But I want to, and I think the public deserves and needs needs to know. There, every single Nazi lieutenant and high-ranking Nazi was interviewed to the hilt. They weren't just. We didn't just execute them. Yeah. We had to get to the bottom of the Third Reich. Why it even happened? What, what was, was their reasoning? The uh... What were those trials called? Uh, uh, for all the high-ranking SS officers I, that were yeah, left. I mean, I'm blanking. Anyways, no, I was just saying Nuremberg. Nur- no, no it is the Nuremberg. It's a, Nuremberg yeah. trials, yeah. Where whoever was, whoever hadn't killed themselves. And yeah. yet, you're right. It was years of interviews. And, and these are, these are, it's uh, every serial killer. Um, it, it's, it's, it's vital. That's what I was going to say. To get to the bottom of this. And it's kind of, uh, what was the show that was on uh, Netflix forever? Forever, they wouldn't, up until, what was it, the 70s or 60s, we weren't, talking to serial killers. We were completely... Mindhunter. 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 Yeah. We were ostracizing them and pushing them to the very far corner of society and pretending like they didn't exist. And that's not helpful for, for anyone. You need to be able to figure out how people got to this point. It's not like you're, you're celebrating them or you're putting them on a pedestal. It's just finding right. out, how did you get here? 
How did you come to this conclusion? How did you get to a place where you're assaulting? And, and we figured this out, especially with sexual assault. A lot of the times when sexual assault is usually something that's been passed down, like a Sandusky thing and all that. A lot of times when people are assaulted themselves or sexually abused, they then sexually abuse other people. And we learned that from yeah. It's like I mean, Mike, Mike, you've said it before. In some ways, like you feel that that um, that molestation specifically is 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 worse than murder in some ways because it 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 turns into a, a cycle in most cases. Life, and it hurts other, lifelong it just, lifelong suffering. Yes, because well, when you, numerous lives when you kill someone, they're dead. It's over. Yeah, and in in prison, child molesters get killed. They don't kill murderers usually. I'm cool with the. I'm cool with the whole. I'm, I'm, I, I'm I hate suffering. I hate suffering, and I I totally understand rage and impulsivity, and that's why I've always I've said it. I think I've said it before on this podcast. I could easily hang out with a murderer. I don't want to, but if a guy killed someone when he was 19, he was a gangbanger, and he said, and he's like, I've turned my life around. I I think about it every day. I wish I didn't, but I'd be like, okay, dude, you know, come over for dinner with. The, I don't. I'm not hanging with a rapist. No. Would you, you know what I'm saying? Would you interview a rapist? Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Have you ever? Let me think. Not, not, not that I can think of. No, no. Picking up. Uh, James Dean, the porn star. Up, uh, yeah, we're picking up the flights. Can you hear the that? Flights. That's because yeah. we're on a private jet, right, yeah. guys? <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Flight pattern zero zero. The whole, but the whole thing, the whole, I, I do find. They should it, have Sean Connery host that show, right? Instead of Charlie oh Rose. Oh my god! Oh, well done. He just you fucked her. Fantastic. <laughs> but the whole concept of comebacks, I think, is like a little bit over. There's, there's one that that I just, I'm still like, really, man. Like we, I, I get it. Like you're, you're. Everybody's going to be an asshole at twenty, but but the whole Bieber thing, like you just did a roast that was that that it came out afterwards that there were certain there were certain things that he was not going to be able to be roasted on. Yeah, um, and that's like, oh yeah, dude, good for you, man. You're good now. Like, no, you're still a massive dickhead. A, a fucking roast is not. Man, uh, I don't okay, know, man. Let I mean, let me. Let me he was what? Let me. How dice, old was he? Yeah. No, I, I get that portion of it, but that like, boom, you're cool now. Like it, it, it took a little bit more than the roast. That was just oh, one it day. was the next day. Like man, I look at Bieber totally different. Like blah blah blah. And then I think it was I don't hate on Bieber. Who was on that? Who was on that? Oh, it was um, Crystalia was there. I know. Yeah, but what's his name? Pete, uh, the guy that on on Saturday Night Live, the young one that his dad died in nine uh-huh. eleven. He was saying that there was there was like two jokes that he had ready to come out and, and they cut it. But they edited it out. Bieber didn't they want it on out, there. But in well, fairness, it's because they Bieber's out. camp didn't want it. Maybe, but that—that's not only Bieber. Believe me, uh, I Jeff agree. Ross is. I've talked to Jeff Ross many times about the collection of jokes that he's had <laughs> shit canned from Rose, and he didn't even know. He's like, "Man, I killed," and then he goes back to watch it. He's like, "Oh, what? They took that out? How the fuck?" And believe me, it was the people who got roasted's camp that. Yeah, I'm but sure. but the difference was those roasts, with the exception of Bieber, were not like. Okay, guys, this is my atonement. Like the rest of it's all because who's? I think Bruce Willis is the next one. Is it? Yeah, Bruce Willis is the oh, next that's one. Gonna which, be, that's a good one, and it'll be brutal. But you have to have the roasts have gotten. Uh, the we're gonna go on a little bit of a tangent here, but the roasts have gotten diluted with the people that they put on there. Like you need Lampanelli on there. You need. I think they're fine as long as you have Jeffrey Ross. It's it's I all agree good. Completely. <laughs> Jeffrey Ross is pretty funny. Dude, I, he, I will give he you just, that. He just yeah, he bring wins. back Gilbert too. Right? Godfrey, Godfrey is. is the best. Uh, and as long as we don't have to have fucking Ann Coulter on, we're good. 
That's what I mean. On you the put panel, people on there like, like I always struggle well, when they put a, people on there that aren't comedians. We're it's in like, a weird place for that type of comedy. You know, we're talking about yeah, you where you have to live way outside PC. It's part of a roast. We're in a terrible place for that. Especially, imagine if you have someone who's getting roasted that's a woman. What do you do? How many women have gotten roasted? Pamela Lee and Any race? And that was brutal. Oh, that was brutal. Oh, it was that fucking was brutal. Hardcore. And she was roasted the hardest by 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 the women comedians. By, oh. I think. Oh, and I remember Courtney Love was on the dais, and she got shit. Yeah. Jeff Ross lit her up. He said, "How do you? How does Kurt Cobain look better than you now?" <laughs> Is the, be- is the best all time though where Jamie Foxx just kill- like ruined that, that comedian's career um, at the Emmett Smith one? It no, was- the best was when the Mike the Situation came up and tried to roast people and it failed and he'd walked off stage. Really? Did I that don't ha- remember seeing that. I don't remember seeing that one either. He's like, oh, come on guys. Like no one was laughing. I but, always struggle though with any guys, of those guys. Those guys, that, someone was writing their jokes. All, of course. They're having a comedian write well, their jokes. Well, all those comedians, there's, there's, for those roasts, there's staff writers for all the comedians. I mean, a lot of those guys still write, write their, their own, own jokes, stuff. but so there, there's, there's plenty of stuff. But there's writing jokes and landing them. There's a big difference, right? I, I lost a little respect for Jeff Ross though. I heard him on an interview when he was in whatever. He was, he was, um, it's a really good guy. He was hyping up the, he was hyping up his show, the, yeah. the, where they, roast battle. The roast battle. And, he talked about he was trying to defend um, the dude from the league that had lied about being in the 9/11 towers. Well, how was he defending it? Well, he said he's like, no man, it was great that he came on the roast and it was really good for him and and that way so people could look at him differently. It was just kind of the same thing as the Bieber scenario, and like you watch it and it's like, dude, the guy tanked. He wasn't prepared and no. he still lied about being in that. Like, that's terrible. Things like that. It's like the the roast is not this huge like. It, they're, there's, it's, they're not feel-good stories. Like, they're supposed to be funny. Take them at face value. Leave it there. It's, it's a form of art. Not, it's not supposed to make you feel warm and cuddly about I do think that there's a, there is... How can you... There's how, a level of camaraderie that comes with roasting, and, and it goes back a long time, you know? I, I understand that, because it's just like somebody you know that you can talk shit on, and they can, they can give it back to you, and it's all good. Like, you're not gonna... Jason knows that. <laughs> you're not a little... Here, here, for you, Shane, you, you can't say that the Bieber thing was contrived, but pretend like Kanye's a genius. Because every move he's made is- We really going there? Absolutely contrived. No, because Bie- the Bieber thing Kanye's is all marketing contrived. and I smart. think Kanye's, I don't think Kanye is like hunting with a sniper rifle. I think he knows when it's time to start shooting his gun, but it's still fucking, yeah, he's you know, spraying it everywhere. You know how I know Kanye West isn't contrived all the time? Because he did that speech at the MTV movie award, or music awards. Yeah. Where you're like- well, that was nine minutes of that nothing. Was definitely, yeah. He made no sense. Yeah. And so you go, he, I think Kanye is, I think you could be contrived and a genius. You can be contrived. Because there's always like little nuggets of like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And then the rest of it just makes no sense. That's different. No, I, I think Kanye never makes sense. But you know what makes sense? His fucking clothes and his music. And his album he sales. He fucking yeah. nails I it. I think he has good instincts on when it's time to, to turn it on. I just don't think he's very good at at isolating what it is that needs to be Kanye, needs to happen. Kanye right now falls into my theory that I've said on this show before about when you have children and you disconnect yourself from reality, you have to really, really try to stay up on pop culture and saying that he loves Trump like his brother and Candace Owens is great. He's going to change. He's completely, he's, he's kind of, he's, I, he's lost he's gonna, so there's aspects about what he's saying. So first of all, the best, the one thing that uh, of all these tweets, and as as we're recording this, he's probably still tweeting more. But it is okay I'll that check. it is okay that <laughs> that there, there can't you know any like Chance the Rapper tweeted yesterday. Like 
all black people do not have to be Democrats. You know, that's fine. I do think Kanye after this is going to, there's going to, there's, there's, and whatever he said it, he did it, but there's not. And, and I have a weird thing with this because if there's somebody in this office that's carried the Kanye flag over the last year, it's me. And I am a little bit less interested in these albums now that, that, that this is happening. Um, I just, I just, I, I, it's a part of our society and it's really a huge part of celebrity that we celebrate narcissism and we don't, we do it subconsciously. We're not, well, I think we're, we're, not, we're so we're, interested. I notice this always, you know, obviously I, I, this is, and this is not a shoehorn, but obviously I love film. And you, every time you hear an interview with an actor, every actor says the director they're working with is brilliant or they're, they're genius. Every director says the actor, and it's like, there can't be that many brilliant or genius people out there. There can be people that are good at their jobs, but you can't say everyone's brilliant. I think we're so interested. Oh, if you're making a feature we're film. We're so interested in extremes or hyperbole that it, it goes back to the same thing as like, you know, wanting blood on the streets with, just, with Me Too movement. It's just like, my, we, we, want, we want very pointed opinions about everything. Not hot takes. I think Kanye has great ideas. Uh, he's done amazing things in, in fashion and, and uh, in music. music. Yeah. But let me just hold, from someone who's been dressing like Kanye before Kanye That's dressed true. like me. I'll give you mad, mad props for that. <laughs> He uh, that first season was a direct ripoff of Rick Owens and Duelmeister mm-hmm. and a couple I other. Say direct designs. ripoff, but it was heavily, it heavily, was heavily influenced by. It, it. wasn't. Yeah. It was original to people that don't pay as much attention to fashion that I did, which is why yeah. I went from being called. Uh, but that's always that's why fashion is though. But, but very, I, got, I that's went why from it's so uninteresting to talk about. I'm not, I'm not saying we not you did not talk about it, but oh, but I'm just saying I always, went from being called a wizard to being called. Oh, well, you think you're, you're still now. a wizard? Yeah, I'm still a wizard. Whatever. <laughs> I'll take that. Is he still tweeting today? Wizard sleeve. <laughs> oh he's still God. tweeting today right because I know the like. John Legend thing he tweeted the the the, the screenshot of John Legend uh, Kanye West he is still trending let's see well, everything he's tweeting about we are more worried about what we can lose than what we feel he just tweeted that yeah Sick, my bro. question is this to you Jay so would Kanye be as would his music be as popular if he didn't have this personality uh, maybe not. I don't think so. Yeah, probably not. I think it's listen. really cool to say I hate you, but it's not cool to say I love you. Love has a stigma. It's a pretty, it's a good one. Good, I, good for Kanye. I don't disagree. If you just say, look at the internet, he's all over the place though. And then he'll be like, "I'm so good at ping pong," like right after that. And you're just like, "Wow, okay." Is he better than who's the like super good ping pong player? Oh, Prince. Prince was the one who like was in underground ping pong clubs and stuff. Was he really? Yeah. We found out he was really good from ba- basketball from Chappelle. Yeah, but supposedly, who was it that like he got invited to go play ping pong with Prince at like a Manhattan club? And oh, those was, ping pong club. It yeah. was like a chi- like twenty Chinese guys and Prince <laughs> in heels. Prince was wearing that thing with like the flowy. It would be hard to see where the ball was coming, you know. <laughs> Like if he's playing in that purple you wouldn't know outfit. if he's playing. You wouldn't know if he's playing with two paddles or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just like, Whoa. <laughs> What's our third culture card? Uh, we, we only do two out of three because otherwise it just, there's no there's no mystery. Mm. But so let's over the weekend we started arguing over over text. Mike, you uh, you posted on the old uh, Instagram. Yeah. That you thought. Um, First Joy Division album is one of the greatest albums of all time, which yeah. I don't disagree with. No, no, with. no. To be fair. Your favorite albums. It's one of my favorite. Which I don't disagree with whatsoever. And, it's, and it was, I, I've stated that 
it is, in my opinion, one of the greatest. Mm-hmm. My, it's in my top five greatest albums of all time. Yeah. And New Order slash Joy Division are in my, as a, as a musical uh, ex, as group, library, whatever, is one of my favorites as well. Yeah. And we, so we started, we text and I asked you, what do you think is better? I asked both of you guys, is it New Order or Joy Division? You guys both unequivocally like, fucking Joy Division, fuck True. New Order. I didn't say I, that. All right, that's how I felt. Good God, is this, wow. Is, hey, so and, well, this is Fox News now. And yeah, my, respo- you're my response, you're response, you're just making stuff up. Guys Fake news. Is, Fake news. Fake news. How do you decipher the two other than the front man? Because Joy Division oh, obviously no, no. has- Joy Division's far it, more dude. new wave. It's, it's more guitar driven. Um, new, or, new order hard driven than new order new order is almost all synth yeah that's what i said no 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 you can't judge blue monday as new order because that that <laughs> what about okay play new faith right now okay but what about temptation or what about ceremony which was a joy division written for the next joy division album there, there's that, lots of similarities single. between the two bands i'm saying to say they're indecipherable is crazy i, I would say no it's not indecipherable it's not it's not it's not indecipherable my point is you have you have these you have this is that our? Uh, uh, you have this. <laughs> Ian Curtis, we yeah. can agree, is one of the most interesting frontmen of all time. Yeah. Getting Going pumped. back into the frontman conversation, there's he was probably one of the most influential frontmen on '80s frontmen. Would you say, Mike? Oh, absolutely. There's a lot of like from like Bono. I to, put him up. I put up with like David Byrne, and you know, just. Like, I mean, he was before David Byrne, right? but I'm saying as far as '80s frontman, he's yeah. up there. David Lee Roth, I would put as like a like an icon of '80s frontman. You know? go ahead anyway. But no, I, I mean, uh, but I think you have the Ian Curtis thing. He died. He killed himself at 27. He was always he was he, you know there's health problems, mental health problems, and all that stuff. But but there's also this really interesting tidbit about him is that he was very. Uh, he was very conscious of the fact that like one of the things he would always talk about was that David Bowie said he was going to kill himself at 27. Never did. And it was a disappointment to him. And uh, it's not like a, it's not a, it's not by chance that he happened to hang himself the night before they went on their first North American tour. I mean, they were about to become massive. Um, I think, I think level terrorist part had just came out. It was charting. Um, I don't, I think it's one of those things where like you get into like, yeah, you have to see New Order play now and they're older and they've been, they have a, a much larger body of work and they've, they've had a ton of mainstream success. But to, to say like one is better than another when they're so similar is, is really, and not to mention like New Order has some bangers. Oh yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah, no one's arguing that. Yes, no, I, I, think, but, but I I'm with you though. I think, I think, I think you're any missing the point. Joy Division, I, I do think, I do think neither Jaso or I is saying that New Order sucks. Yeah, Jaso told me yesterday he said New Order sucks. I did not say that. You said they were a Fox pop News. group. It doesn't mean I think they suck. Well, I took that. I like pop music. Away. They're a poppy. You're that. That was the the main difference to me is always that Joy Division was a darker. They were brighter. They were they were a darker outfit. I mean, they were much much darker, and that you know, and, and maybe it was because I was so young. I was so young when I first started listening to Joy Division. I mean, I was four years old. Uh, it just seemed cooler that they had the suicidal front man and they were dark and they yeah. talked about they talked about uh, mental illness and and they sang songs about uh, heartbreak and thing and New Order just seemed a little bit more brighter and shi- shinier. The difference to me is Joy Division was at the forefront of a change in musical culture. New mm-hmm. Order was on New Order was the catalyst for new wave. New Order was on the tail, yeah. but like they really were. They were at the forefront. They were. They were, they were but, the catalyst. But Joy Division to me embodied. It was like the. I, 
if you're looking at it as a, as a complete, like, uh, you know, Ian Curtis only wrote the lyrics. He didn't write any of the music. There's a good chance that if Joy Division would have kept going, it would have ended up New Order anyways, just with, a, with, with Ian Curtis as a lead singer. If that would have... You can, you can, they would have replaced, you, uh, I bet you, you're probably I don't think right. Ian Curtis would have, you know, it probably would have, it's, it's just an evolution, right? And if you watch, I don't know if you've ever seen this, there's, um, there's footage of New Order's first North American, I think it's not even like a year uh, after Ian Curtis had died. And you see their last show, and I think they're playing a version of Temptation, before it was even called Temptation. It's their last New York show. Um, you can tell the band doesn't know like who they're supposed to be. Uh, you you can see like Bernard Summers trying to do like he's trying to do Ian Curtis moves on stage. They don't know whether they need to be dark. They don't know whether to be. And it's it's this really interesting uh, trans, creative transition in a vacuum that you see. And they famously end the in the show. They kick over the mic. They leave the drum beat on for Temptation and walk off, and it like just keeps going. And then after that was when they kind of, the next album was when um, was Blue Monday. Mm-hmm. And they, they, that's when they kind of figured out who they were. Uh, I just think it's just so interesting to say, it, it, to say that, yeah, because I just think it's so interesting to say like Joy Division was better. They had two records. It's like, how do you, how do you say? They were just cooler. That's I can give you that. I'll give you that's that. That's all. I mean, it may be, that's, you know, I'm that. being biased. They were just a cooler, and made the darkness of it, the mystique. I'm with you on that. It. And if you want to talk about that Joy Division album cover is the, one of the most iconic one, pieces yes. of art in the history of music. Yeah. Absolutely. Still like you have the Unknown Pleasures with yeah, the, unknown the, pleasure with the, the wavelength. Wavelength. Yeah. Yeah. wavelengths. Yeah. What's interesting though is Unknown Pleasures, as good of an album as it is, the three hits are on Closer. Yep. Which is what's funny. And a lot of people really don't like, hardcore Joy Division fans don't like Closer. Well, the thing about Joy Division, which is like for me, again, where my bias may come from, is that it's almost like uh, it's almost like Motorhead. Um, if you were a metal guy, you didn't like a lot of punk bands. In fact, you probably back in the day, it's different now. I mean, what is hardcore is often just metal um, with a breakbeat. But back in the day, like the hardcore kids and the metal guys, they fucking fought, you know. But there was that one band. There was Motorhead. You could go to a you could go to a Black Flag show with a Motorhead jacket on and be like, cool. You can go to a Metallica show and they'd be, oh, okay, Motorhead. Whereas Joy Division, saying. Joy Division, you could go see the Talking Heads and be a Joy, you know, have a Joy Division shirt on. You're fine. You could go see uh, Iron Maiden. You know, people, but like Joy Division had a darkness to them, almost like like the Cure. The Cure it transcends it. A lot of the new wave bands, a lot of the darker new wave bands, you get your ass kicked by by metal yeah. guys. But then there's like there's the Cure, and there's, but even the Cure, it took a while. Right, like it took about ten years because because specifically just the way Robert Smith looked. In a genre of music that gets shit on by tough guys, there was a couple handful of bands that could escape that. And Joy Division, I think, was the one. You know, do you remember when? Because um, when did when did Joy Division start popping in the states? Like Probably mid eighties. Yeah. You, was it a big deal over here when I was when, too young to know? I mean, honestly, I was too young. I well, was like, he's, he's asking you like you're sixty. No, well, how old like like when you were you four? Seventy nine. Oh, you, fuck! I thought you were older than that. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. He's like five years old. He's two years older than me. Yeah. You don't remember that? <laughs> I don't. You just always like every. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. So if, when you were shitting in your diaper, what yeah, was your? Yeah, really. What was your? <laughs> yeah, I was born the same day. I was born the same year their debut album came out. 
So, I mean, I'm not exactly, <laughs> but I speaking from like a, a historical context, meaning just from the, the reading and the interest that I have for it, I would say 85, 84, 85. Because that's when that's when the second run of what is what now is looked at as new wave, in reality, new wave was seventy eight, seventy nine, eighty. But now new wave is looked at because that's when it became mainstream in the eighties. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's like eighty four, eighty five. You know? When you had like the, the flock of seagulls and, mm -hmm. and and the Frankie goes to Hollywood. The, you'd be a derivative Adam of, and the ants. Yeah. yeah. To Shane's point, though, you'd be a great-looking forty-eight-year-old or whatever the fuck he just put you on. I, I, I am. He uh, could be twenty-eight or fifty-eight. I don't. I really been, don't know. I've this been, guy fucking tells me a new story every man week that I'm surprised about. I've been man-child since I was a teenager. I was always the kid. You know, you can't get away with that now. But I was always the kid who could go buy beer when I was in high school, and I've just oh, yeah. always been old. Looking. Five o'clock shadow at yeah. sixteen. All right, so we'll end this with culture card number three. Um, this is for Mike. Uh, Mike, is it true that you choke Striker out? Over who was a better love line host? No. Who wrote this? Who wrote this? <laughs> Never even had that conversation with Stryker. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what that says. Do they have <laughs> millennials? It says millennials. Do they have a point or are people too sensitive? That's an ongoing question. Both. It's fucking stupid. I think both. No offense, producer. It's, it's, <laughs> the answer is yes. When does it end? There's there. Uh, I was noticing the other day. Do they have a point with what? With this I don't say this with any life? level of of malice. No, with any level of comfort. Do, do only, I have a point because I'm a millennial. I I only say this <laughs> most because, of the day. No, you don't. <laughs> I only say this because it, it helps drive home the issue at hand. And I honestly I say this like ashamedly. But when I was in high school, uh, we would fuck with homeless people. You know, I wouldn't beat them up or anything, but you know, I kick the kick their fucking uh, cash can out of the way. Oh yeah, yeah, we're talking about yeah. The, and nowadays, teenagers are really prone to like helping the disenfranchised. And it, yes, are kids way too sensitive? Yeah, but there's a good upside to that too. Kids are way more, I think, em empathic. Kids are way more sensitive. And are we going to make the greatest generation and storm the beaches of Normandy as well as we could in 1942? Probably not, but we probably have a lot nicer society coming up. At least a more conscious yeah. one. I think what's so interesting is like when, when you talk about bullying, like obviously like in the 80s and the 90s, like uh, the jock mentality, right? Mm -hmm. And like me growing up on the West Coast um, and, and uh, the, the, the surf culture was very much a part of my life. And that was always very anti-jock. That was yeah. always very counterculture. And now you have this weird shift, and I'm just speaking for Southern California, but you have this weird shift now where it's almost flipped on its head and playing sports on top of being an artist and doing whatever else you want is actually a lot cooler than being, it's almost like the surfers have turned into the muscle well, heads. It's just like music, right? You don't have to, like he said, with punk rock, you didn't listen to punk and metal. It's yes. the same thing. You can play sports and be into art and be into music and be into film and, and whatever fashion. fashion here's another thing i used to get shit on for like wanting to go spend all my money on on hill figure or some, in 1996 like that you were a fucking asshole if you were did you ever wear a fubu no no that would have been rad no but i i definitely would like try to floss with like some hill figure and stuff yeah, i was, I was, was a cool. little mixture of like hesher and 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 floss you some, know some woo wear you were but, kind of you were on the you were on the liam gallagher kick yeah 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 yeah, yeah for sure but 
Yeah, it definitely wasn't cool. If you were a jock, you did not. Now it's like, cool. now I see kids like high school football stars. They're coming up to college draft in skinny jeans. And you're like, what the fuck? Oh, it's you made, know? it's but, killed it. It's yeah. for sure killed it. Well, look at it's now the NBA pregame is a runway. It's like a, a runway show right before the game. Yeah. It's like, ooh, what's Russell Westbrook? Yeah, you have Westbrook walking up with a sweatshirt torn open and his pecs are coming out of the bottom. Yeah, it looks like, like he had But that was, that was, I think, only the 90s because I think when my sister was in high school, because I, I, I think we've talked about this before, I have a very interesting little cultural um, perspective on things. My sister and I went to the same high school, grew up in the same world, but just 10 years apart. Mm. I, I, I was a mistake. So my sister's 11 years older than me. Um. I think whoops, I think like the high school jock prom king guy definitely in 1988 was sporting the the polo yes pop collar like nice clothes it was cool to be cool have a nice car it was I have, something I have a Letterman jacket something specific about the 90s was it was not cool to to floss you know what you I'm know, saying you know what is funny about that because that's the way that they always broke down uh, sex of high school right that was it was jocks it was the goth kids it was the the Apple kids in my yeah. school is like the. What do you mean by sex of high school? Oh, sect. S-E-C-T-S. Gotcha. But even as early as the 70s, 80s, and 90s, all the movies were geared towards that not being cool. Even though that's. Well, look at Breakfast Club, right? That's what I'm talking that, about. That's what Breakfast Club was, right? It was supposed to take apart but, all of those, what you're oh, talking about, put them together in right. a room. And that's why it's like, wow, this is a great No, 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 no. But look at the Breakfast Club. Judd Nelson was the asshole. Yeah, but he was kind of the coolest. He ended up being he the, 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 the anti-hero. He was the anti-hero. He was the anti-hero, but, yeah. but he w- it wasn't like nowadays. Nowadays, the punker who fucking has the weed in his in his locker room, or excuse me, in his locker, or, or you know, some Molly in his backpack, you're fucking sweet. That if you were the washout, if you were the quote unquote, you know, the the burnout, that wasn't cool until like nine until like Beck, you know, like being like a loser was not fucking sweet. Until, no, it started with the grunge movement. It yeah. started with the grunge movement yeah. in the, in the and I'm saying it, it like because when I was in high school, kids were bragging about how many yeah. hours of detention they had. Yeah, like, the kids that wore ditch. like the kids that would wear like fresh drive shirts, and, right? And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And believe me, like my sister was not crushing on the kids with the mohawks and the and the military jackets. Punks were were non-existent when I was in high school. I mean, I graduated. I went to right. high school from '96 to '99. The punks, the punk scene, at least. The, the That's because it was pop punk by then. Yeah, it was all. Yeah, it, was, it, was, all it was all like Green Day. Blink was coming on radio. Green, Green Day was big, but like you didn't see Mohawks in school or anything like that. Metal was big, man. Back uh, there was like a real resurgence of of like solid American metal when I was in high school. It was a big deal. Like, like I remember driving to Santa Barbara to see Pantera, and I was probably like sophomore. That was like a big deal, you know, more so than any other kind of genre of music. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, it was definitely. How long was your hair? Oh, I always had short hair. Oh, not because really? I wouldn't wouldn't want to, but I, I always shaved my head for football, and then I had so, I have such bad calyx that even you know <laughs> growing way. long hair, it would be, it, I'd, I'd end up having more fro than like well, sweet. Was mandatory Metallica? Was that on K Rock? Or was that I on, think KLOS? Or is that, or is that KLOS? I think KLOS. Do you remember? No, I think maybe KNAC. KNAC. Yeah. Do you remember Pirate Radio? Of course. Best billboards of all time. I was looking for that art direction the other day, and I couldn't find. I couldn't find because I, I still. I know. With, I know Shadow that, Stevens. Really? Yeah. What's he up to? Oh, well, his daughter is the super fine chick in Twenty Two Jump Street, the black chick. Oh wow! That's his daughter. Wow. He has a smoke show black wife, and his daughter is so hot. Yeah, she's gorgeous. <laughs> he does. He does. He does ridiculous amounts of voiceover because he still. 
Even he's not one of those is guys. That where Shadow's he, face that's that was on those billboards. Because I remember the yeah. face looked like this like sci-fi face, kind of like this cool, almost like Lance Henriksen. He talks. Actor. He talks like yeah. this in real life. It's not. That's not a put on. He'll be like, "Psycho Mike, uh, how are you? I've been really listening to you a lot lately. Fantastic work you've been doing." It's like that's his voice. So I mean, he does a lot of the a lot of um, big gala. You know, big galas. You go to a ball at a black tie, and it's like, and now coming to the stage. You know the. Deputy Mayor of Los Angeles, Mister Shitbag McGee. I got and I know, guys, we're running, we're we're we're, we're going to wrap it up on this question, but I, this is something I want to ask Mike because we did, we were talking about um, we're t- we were basically it came up, you know, it's it, it's how we live in this age where there's no barriers to do things. You want to go make a, you want to shoot a skate video, you can do it on your phone. You want to you want to have a podcast, you can have a podcast, and it's funny because like you come from, you're like the the second generation of radio personalities, right? Right. The first first generation is kind of like was very very similar everybody you you come from more of the Howard Stern generation well you bring up a very good point look, look, you bring up a good point upon. you had a you had a a a you had a very um rigid formula you had to follow to be a radio personality in a different era a very rigid formula now it's essential that you follow no formula that has come before you or else you have no career if you ha- if you are at all derivative there was and then you know there was a whole especially in the mid to late 90s there was a massive amount of Howard ripoffs, and a lot of them yeah. made big money. A lot of them had great careers, but they it's were like, who was the Howard, who was a big Howard ripoff? Uh, Mancow, or um, you know, the, the, the it goes on. I'm sure every town had one. The guy who was pushing the envelope, the guy who was the guys who would just or guy the, or guys, the guy in uh, Florida that let Hulk Hogan have sex Bubba with his the wife. Love Sponge, yeah, Bubba, Bubba the Love Sponge, and, and, and he's still on. Yeah. His wife yeah. is a smoke show too. His uh, ex-wife. Oh, their ex now? Yeah. Wonder, wow, shocker. That one didn't work out. Bubba has, Bubba has a big career. Bubba's a big yeah. time- He's in the South. Big time radio guy. <laughs> um, but my my point being that, that you know, there was, the, there was the Casey Kasem type thing, which like I would put Shadow in that same category. Jay Thomas, um, big, big talented dudes, but they, you followed a, a category. Whether you spun records and were a jock or you were a talk show host, you had a very- regimented way that you had to talk and you had to give the time five times an hour and coming up you had to back sell the last song and the upcoming song is going to be you're going to hear five songs from the ramones whatever it was now you have to be totally unique and and almost to almost to a fault that's why it's so interesting to me the guys like rodney yeah like work so well and then like like steve jones like they didn't really like the, there was like the guys that were like you're talking about with the, with the voice, and then there you had like the Steve Jones or the Rodneys or even like the Matt Pinfields on MTV were just like a shitload of information. They had stories about everybody. I feel so lucky that I've worked with both guys. I mean, both aforementioned guys. I worked with Steve and I worked with Rodney. Um, Rodney's a little different. Rodney's a real life Forrest Gump. You can't yeah you can't categorize Rodney. He's just such an anomaly. But Steve Jones. For instance, is the perfect example of everybody in all forms of media, actor, uh, broadcaster, musician, whatever it may be, bro- whatever you're trying to do, everyone works really hard to give off the vibe of I don't give a fuck. Then there's those rare gems who tr- Steve Jones doesn't give a fuck. Really? No one cares less about what people think about him. And I don't mean in a way that like, I, I will insult everyone that comes across me. I don't care if I hurt people's feelings. He just doesn't at all factor in uh, outside influence. He's himself 100% and through and through. Do you have any stories? Uh, he told me one time about how he sold his passport 
The crazy thing about Steve Jones, he got into drugs after the Sex Pistols. <laughs> <laughs> How does that work? Yeah. He didn't do drugs at all during the Sex Pistols. I'd have a beer or two, but I wasn't much of a drug guy. <laughs> uh, uh, got into heroin probably in 1989. Was working as a studio musician doing a lot of gigging for other people. and Picked up that habit. <laughs> Around 92, I was trying to sell my passport for a couple thousand dollars in Central Park. Yeah, I was like, wait, 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 you try to sell your passport? It's like, I'd already become an American. Was that was a big thing in the 80s, selling, selling your passport. It was pretty sought after to have an American passport. And I sold it to a Puerto Rican guy. He didn't look anything like me, but <laughs> he was willing to give me money and I wanted some heroin. So what the fuck? It's pretty damn good. That was a good one. All right. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks, Steve. Blah. <laughs>